Hello, welcome. You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a bite-sized parenting podcast, a place you can find advice, understanding and support as you care for your small humans. I'm Siobhan Hunt. The bushfires this summer have been overwhelming. It's hard enough to comprehend as an adult, but how do we help our children who have experienced the threat of these fires? Thankfully, in Australia, we have a number of experts who can advise parents and carers on the best way to support our kids through traumatic experiences. Margaret Nixon is the Workforce Officer for the National Workforce Centre for Child Mental Health at the Australian National University. It's part of the Australian Child and Adolescent Trauma, Loss and Grief Network, and they've done specific research into supporting children impacted by bushfires. Children really need adults at this time. That is one of the clearest things that we know. They need their parents and If parents can provide a calm and a reassuring response to their kids in whatever situation they're in, this is the most helpful for children. The fires around Australia have been unpredictable and many families have been packed and about to leave for weeks. That kind of uncertainty must create unbelievable tension in families. So how do we convey safety and security when we don't even know what's going on. Marcella Nolasco is a clinical psychologist at Little Steps Psychology. She has experience helping families through traumatic events. Every message is conveyed to the child. It's important to sometimes say it aloud, like say to them that we are doing everything we can to keep our family safe. We are going to stay together and every decision we're going to make would be the best decision. So parents should be honest with kids, but at the same time, they should bear in mind that the kids also need to be protected. They are not emotionally developed enough to handle the same amount of stress that adults do. So when sharing information, it's important not to discuss the whole decision-making process in front of the children, try to spare them from hearing you know, too much about, about what's going on and about the uncertainty. And it's important to, once the decision is made, that the decision is communicated to the child in a child-appropriate language. And again, reinforcing, like, we are doing this, it's difficult. And if the child starts crying, it's important to acknowledge how the child is feeling. It's important to let them know that it's okay to feel the way they're feeling. And, yeah, again, convey that message that we are doing everything to keep us and our family safe. Margaret says it helps to include children in the actual preparations to leave. It's important for children also to feel that they can be part of these preparations in something that is very age-appropriate. So that might be talking to them about what sort of toys would, which toys would you like to bring. Being able to be there to answer their questions rather than coming so lost in our preparations, which can be very difficult to do when we as parents are trying to respond and are feeling quite uneasy. But bringing kids and having them being part of the preparations is something that can be helpful for kids as well. Evacuation centres could be places of great fun and adventure for kids, or they could be unfamiliar and scary. Marcella has a few suggestions on how parents and carers can make children feel more secure. Creating a little cubby house with, if they are donated blankets, letting the child choose, you know, the objects they would like to have. And if they can create like a little cubby house, a little protected space, especially if kids are young and under five, 
where they can play inside, that really helps them. Keeping routine, you know, if keeping routines from home is difficult, implementing a new routine and maintaining those routines wherever they're staying is important as well. Spending connecting time with the child, so allowing time to sit down with the child and play together and be talking to them in a very gentle and caring, compassionate way and answering their questions about what they're experiencing, what they're communicating about, what's going on in the context, what's going on around them is important as well. Not every child will ask you questions about what's happening. After all, kids don't always respond the way you'll expect. Margaret explains some different ways that a child's behaviour can change when they're under stress. We can see behaviour that is outward, so those things like having tantrums, becoming very clingy, crying more easily, not wanting to share, being short-tempered, maybe that sort of running around a bit more, those outward behaviours. And then you can also see in children inward behaviours and often we can miss these. It's where children become more withdrawn and we can often overlook them and go, oh, well, at least that child's just sitting there quietly. And it can be just as important for parents to be aware of, hmm, that's not normally how this child would respond. This might be a little bit of a sign that, hey, they're also responding to what they've seen and trying to make sense of it. And, and their response is to turn it inwards onto themselves, wanting to withdraw from people, not wanting to talk to people. They're also signs that we can see when children have experienced trauma. Other things that parents might need to be aware of that are not unusual are things like regressing. So a child that may be toilet trained, for example, or has not wet the bed before, might start wetting the bed. This may be a sign. And again, it's not about the child being naughty. It's the child's response to a very stressful and difficult time. And that's where that knowing your child being able to find, dig up some patience from somewhere when you're also feeling quite traumatised yourself as a parent is a really tricky task. But they're things that can really help to support children and to be aware and that extra level of patience around trying to see these behaviours rather than being naughty or attention-seeking, but saying these behaviours are letting us know that you know, our child has had a response to what's been a really challenging and stressful time for them. No parent wants to make things worse for their child. But what if you get more bad news? Marcella says not to lie. And when you tell the truth, make sure you remain open to how your child will express their feelings. Try to remain as present as you can and as calm as you can. And being honest about certain situations, I think avoiding communicating too much uncertainty is important so it doesn't increase the level of stress for the child. But the way parents can communicate is saying, look, I don't know what we're going to do tomorrow, but I am here. I'm going to be with you the whole time. We are going to keep each other safe. Like We're going to keep ourselves safe. If things are a bit more known in terms of, you know, we're not going to go back home. What's important to do is to allow the child to express themselves and ask them, how do you feel about us losing our home? And opening a space where they can communicate how the child, and so the child can communicate how she or he is feeling. Allowing them to 
play as well because kids they still not they still not very proficient with language. If for adults, you know, it's hard to put words to what we're feeling, especially in a situation of crisis and trauma like that. You know, for kids it's even harder. So kids are going to communicate through play and through drawings and through dancing sometimes or singing. So allowing uh, the child to express themselves through these other channels is really important as well. So allowing them to have space to play wherever they are is important. Another thing that parents can do is give children examples of hope and happiness in the middle of all the chaos. Marcella again point out that even though people have lost stuff, like pointing out the help that the community is showing, that everyone's coming together. So trying to find a silver lining is important. And the reason why I'm saying that is because research says that having a positive outlook to life and being positive is an indicator of faster recovery in situations of trauma. So trying to see the silver lining in some situations is important, pointing that out to children trying to normalize that bad things do happen sometimes and they happen to us and, and, and it makes us sad for a while and we are all going to be sad for a while and it's going to be hard to build life again. However, we have love in our life. However, we have this community that's helping, this whole country that's coming together. There's been so many donations. So, and, and reminding to them that things are going to be bad for a while but our capacity to rebuild ourselves and rebuild community, rebuild our houses is, is there as well. And if you're a family who was caught up in the fires while on summer holidays, but you're home now, wondering how to help your child recover from the experience, Marcella says it's all about spending time together. That doesn't need to be like taking a child to Luna Park, <laughs> <laughs> you know? It can't be just doing some gardening together, quiet gardening, or playing some calm music in the house and commenting about the, 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 the songs that are being played. It, it could be anything like that. As long as there's a dialogue going on back and forth between the adult and the child and the adult is holding that safe space for the child to allow the child to experience joy, even though, you know, a few days before they experienced something really bad. So allowing the child to experience joy again in a calm and safe environment is very healing. Then again, your only experience of the fires could be what you've seen on the TV or the smoke you've seen roll into your city. Margaret says that children can still be affected even when they haven't been threatened directly by the fires. It's really important that parents are aware and they might want to, children might ask them why is it so smoky, but also for parents to respond in a way that lets them know that yes, we have this smoke because there are the fires, but we are in the city, the fires are not close to us. Or that yes, there are fires, but we have our emergency services who are out there and they're doing everything they can to keep us safe. So that while we as adults are quite aware about this heightened sense of the tragedy that is occurring, it's also keeping it within a scope that is helpful for the children to make sense of. And particularly when we look at media, that for many and many who are on high alert at the moment, 
the television may be on or the radio may be on continuously and it might need to be. So I'm definitely not saying please turn that off and don't listen to emergency services. But just being aware around children, particularly young children who are watching this, they may not be aware of where this fire is taking place. They're not able to read perhaps or may not be able to take in all the information that's being given to them. So for a parent to be able to sit down and say, I'm watching this now because I would like to know or while this is happening, we have people that are out there that are helping with this or distracting children and having other things on, maybe turning the television off if you can for a while, if that's also safe, if you don't need the information that's coming up because children are good at being able to look at what's a fire on television and seeing the smoke outside and some children may not realise that there's not an immediate danger for them. So being sort of aware that children do listen and they do watch and yet they may not have the language to say to you, I'm very confused about where this fire is happening or are we in danger? Margaret also wants those supporting other families to keep an eye on their own kids. Families who have members who are part of the emergency services, those who are setting up the evacuation stations, those who work in media, just to be aware and keep their own children in mind and to keep the information going to their children, making sure they check in with how their kids are going because young children, you know, if they, they may not quite understand what is happening when parents are going away and coming back. So it's also good to keep them in mind, even if those particular families are not directly impacted in a fire zone. If you're worried about your child's response to the fires, Margaret has some encouraging words. What we do know is that most children will recover from traumatic events. So keep that in mind. We don't need to catastrophize this, that most children will recover. It's an awful event, but their recovery is something that we know does happen. Each child will respond differently, and whether it's processing things externally or internally, and that's dependent on a number of factors, such as their age and their personality, the types of families they have around them. What we do know is that some children may have uh, more ongoing responses and so if after about a month that these responses persist or if they seem to be worsening over time, then that would be a good indication that perhaps a visit to the GP would be a great place to start to be able to hook into some support if that's needed. That was Margaret Nixon from the Australian Child and Adolescent Trauma, Loss and Grief Network. You also heard from Marcella Nolasco from Little Step Psychology. We'll put links to more resources in the notes of this episode. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you, so if you'd like to get in touch... Email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.